big of a podcast. <laughs> Here's some thoughts on homeschooling. Uh, hello there, welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And I was homeschooled for two years, so. Eat yeah. that, Tom. Yeah. Suck on that. This episode officially got weird. Yeah, take that. We are not presenting the list today. This is not episode 35. No, it's, you're going to have to wait for that, folks. Yeah, you got, you got about, about a while. But don't worry, we got some fun stuff planned for you in the absence of well, the list. We're going to have fun with it. We can't promise that you'll have fun. Or that you had fun, or that we had any fun. But we'll have fun today. I actually suspect that most of our listeners really don't enjoy this podcast, and they just keep <laughs> listening out of some sort of weird self-flagellation. I agree with you. It's like that uh, character from like Angels and Demons or whatever that was. You know, the one that beat himself. Was yeah, that yeah. Angels and Demons or no, the Da Vinci Code? code. Yeah, no, Da Vinci Code. The Paul Bettany. Yeah. Albino monk. Yeah. That was weird. That was weird. Those are just bad movies. Speaking of albinos, um, we got a special we got a special beer here this week. It's, oh, they uh, changed like, why'd they do this? I don't know. It's oh. from New England. Again, we just had New England recently, the David <coughs> Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. And uh, this is apt for, for this this week. It is the Imperial Stout Trooper. It's a stout. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. It is? Yeah. This is the last of the uh, the stout weeks. Which is good, because I've had it with stouts. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with stouts. Um, what, what are we... It's, it's brewed in a brewery not too far away and not too long ago. Imperial Stout Trooper is a full-bodied stout with majestic blend of many malts and hops. Drink it. It's good. That was an ad read. Yeah. For our non-ads. Sign up for Blue Chew. <laughs> Clink. Dick it. Pretty good. I've had this a lot. Not yeah. a lot, but I've had this a number of times. and I don't know. It's good, but it's not blowing my mind. Like a... It's just a stout. But last week, compared to last week, it's got a good mouthfeel. Yeah. Nice and thick. Um, it's not just a brown, uh, alcoholic brown ale. They've worked some taste, like in, like the stout taste. It's got like a burnt caramel yeah. t- flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of nuttiness. But compared to, oh God, what was that? I don't know. I think of, of the, how many stouts have we had? Four. Four? I think David Lee Roth and... Uh, the chocolate the sweater front, was good. The front porch, the toasted coconut chocolate sweater or yeah. whatever, are, were better. Yeah, this. definitely. This is more simple, though. I, guess, I think if you don't want complexity in your stout, if you just want a good mouthfeel that coats the tongue, mm-hmm. if you want those, cho- not chocolate, caramel, coffee notes, this is, a, this is your bag. No, this I agree with you. Feel. I agree with you 100%. This is, this is, this is the way to go. It's a, a good, it's good bar. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, why are we drinking this beer today? People, we are drinking it because me and Mario and a lot of other people. Not as many as uh, I saw episode seven or eight, though. No, but enough. It's about twenty-eight percent less than the opening of Force Awakens. But way more people than went to see. I think more people went to see this than people thought were going to see it, based on the reviews. You think so? I listened to some podcasts where they were like, they could be in trouble this weekend. I thought this would have opened over two hundred. No, oh no, no. They the they were they were really downplaying it. There was actually there was some writing about whether or not the cats, cats would beat it. Not would beat it, but would siphon away people from it. And then cats it's just the nightmare and that it is cats. Didn't. Did you hear speaking of cats, by the way, apparently like Universal's sit coming out and saying they're gonna retouch 
the CGI on it and then give it back to theaters. So that's we're happening. fine. We're actually okay. Yeah, Nobody, no, it's not the CGI. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, but, you know. Everyone's saying it's, like, the creepy, like, pauses and breaths in the film that make it weirdly sexual. Mm. I'm fascinated by that. But even people that have said, like, like, oh, I want to see this ironically have been urged not to see it. Because even... I've even seen movies it. ironically. And it's fun for a while until Ben Affleck talks about beating up kids with special needs. And then you're just like... Is that Geely? Yeah. And then you're yeah. just like, well, hold on, Ben Affleck. Hold on. I got something else to do. Ben Affleck, though, is not in this movie. No. Um, this movie, obviously, is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. It'd be good. This, but, I mean, this does have horses in it, so it's got something. Rise of Skywalker. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. That's the actually, dead speak. <laughs> that's actually just a sound that follows me around everywhere. Yeah. Um, the dead speak. Yeah, they're they're hung up by cranes attached to yeah. weird liquids with. Well, see what happened. Quarter inch was audio inputs fell into like one of those toy pits. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I'm guessing Richard E. Grant put a quarter in, got him out, pulled him out. You know. Yep. I hope so. But Palpatine's back, and uh, he's been orchestrating everything. He created Snoke. He fucked somebody and had a kid. That when did that one happen? Of, one of those kids? One of those? One of Ray's parents? His, uh, her the, dad. Is it the dad? Yeah, I think he said my son. Okay. You're a coward like my, or you're weak like my son. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I we need. I follow along with that. Uh, <clears throat> Palpatine's been orchestrating everything. He's been the head of the First Order. And now, now he's got the Final Order setting up. In the, the ocean. Order, like, a, like a Final Solution. Because we're really heavily going into the Nazism, finally. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of Imperial uh, the, the, the planes. The fuck. De- Star, uh, Star Destroyers. Destroyers. But now they all got a planet-destroying gun on them. Because we got to keep raising those stakes. Interesting. Engineering question. If the, if the feat of your weaponry-like research has led you to the Star Killer base... Where you are draining power from the sun, and you have to do all this work. To you leave for a system. To see, but, but like you're leave, you have to you have to draw the sun. So you're leaving yourself wide open. You know what I mean for like yeah. an attack. If at the same exact time you have, I don't know, a couple hundred st- star destroyers with roughly the same technology attached to the bottom of it. What are we doing with Star Killer Base? Just fly that one ship around and just Tom, start blowing up planets. Tom, they hadn't thought about that yet when they made Force Awakens. Whoa, that's that's the key. That's the key. Yeah. Uh, but Palpatine's like, hey, Kylo, kill kill my daughter, do- kill my granddaughter, which which is Ray because she's Ray Palpatine. 
And then meanwhile, Ray's trying to find this thing, Wayfinder, which is just a, a triangle thing. Two. There's only two Sith yeah, Wayfinders. two of them. And they look for it. And Billy Dee Williams is there, too. He comes back. Yeah. Carrie Fisher's CGI robot ghost is there, too. Looking creepy and standing in one position the entire time because they can't, they don't want CGI movement. No. And then Kylo's like, well, I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to get Ray to join me. Then we're going to, we're going to kill Palpatine and sit on the throne together. And then they go around and Carrie Russell shows up because it's a J.J. Abrams movie. (laughs) Uh, And then they keep going. And Finn now is force sensitive because that was a thing. Uh, Rose is there too, but not really because, you know, can't have her be a character. No, people didn't like Rose. Yeah. Just she seems to have a key they role. They jarred her out of this. She's, she has a key role in the resistance, though. Yeah. It's like, hey, come come with us for this adventure. I can't because of reasons. <laughs> mainly, they literally, mainly, I'm contractually obligated upset. to stay here. We don't want to upset fans. Then eventually they find the Wayfinder. There's a snake. The snake is, is hurt. They heal the snake. We're going to talk about the healing the snake. Because it's a good, it's a good like video game moment, you know? Like when the pathway's blocked. You could either fight the snake, which would take a lot of damage. But they didn't know like the pathway battle. was blocked when the snake was sitting there. They or, just saw a snake. Yeah. Or you could heal it as like a if you if your perception's high enough. Sure. And they do that, and they get out. Then Chewie dies, but don't worry, he doesn't actually die. And they give us like a minute of like, oh, Chewie might have been dead. Then another robot shows up, new droid, because we have to sell some toys. Uh, then Hux is Hux is is a good guy, I guess, kind of. <laughs> but then he just gets immediately murdered by Richard E. Grant. Who's actually trying in this movie, which is sad. Can I tell because you? Because Richard E. Grant's good, and that, this isn't. That Hux part, and I don't know if... I, should, I guess I should have played this spoiler earlier thing, because we're just... Oh, no. You, this movie's not going to make a shit ton of money. That like It's not like Avengers, where it might have been impossible to see it. If you want to see Star Wars, you, you, see Star, it's also, you could see Star Wars. Yeah. yeah it's also it's been a week. Yeah, that's we're true. recording this on Sunday. Yeah. But, like, but that's true. Yeah, anyone that's... there, yeah. Everyone's... Uh, so, um, when Hux like reveals that he's the spy, oh, there's a moment when he almost—I'm screaming into the microphone—almost looks at the camera, like, and like when he's pointing his gun, like it's almost a sketch. Well, when he gets shot by um, Richard E. Grant—I don't remember the character's name because it doesn't matter. Um, Pride, Captain Pride, Kitty Pride. Sure. Uh, it looks—I feel like you could almost see like his suit being pulled yeah like you can note but you can't but it it's so clearly him being pulled like from the force of the shot which also the physics don't make sense because if that had the power to knock him back then pride would also been knocked back anyways um some more stuff happens they blow up a planet which i actually forgot what planet it was and it turned out it was the planet carrie russell is from but she's know, there they're going like a million miles a minute and she this. has a starship yeah but her does. planet just got blown up um but eventually they go back to the old Death Star, then Kylo gets stabbed, and then Carrie Fisher dies. I mean, again. Um, and she's like, Ben. And then Harrison Ford shows up, with his, not with his fucking not dragon. Not with Call the Wild Dog. Yeah. Call the Wild Dragon Dog. Well, there is a dragon in Doolittle. You see that trailer? You see that trailer? Oh my god, it's that trailer looks so bad. Why is there a dragon? Was there a dragon They gotta the stop with these all CGI movies, yeah. man. That John CGI Cena's looks terrible. John Cena would have been good in this. Which some John Cena was in this? I think uh, no. Then, John Cena was supposed to be in something. Oh, it's a, never mind. It was The Watchmen. Oh, he was in in up for the Doctor Manhattan part. Well, that would have been good. And Kylo Ren is like, I guess I'm Ben Solo now. I'm a good guy again. And then they go to to the planet with Palpatine. Exegol. 
Exegol, yeah. That's, uh, I think that's a hemorrhoid cream. Um, and then Kylo fights the Knights of Ren, who have been building up. But then he just really he just kills them pretty quickly. Well, after she, Ray transfers a lightsaber to him via via force stuff. I found the force linking and the hyper light ju- skipping. Those were the two parts. I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, but then uh, Ray and Ben are fighting together, and uh, there's a, there's a yeah, air battle going on, and uh, much chunkier times two great Gunberg dies. Uh, and then, you know, Poe's <clears throat> like, oh no, we can't get anybody because they're supposed to get a bunch of other people. And then Falcon's like, on your left. What I'll... about us? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Palpatine says, I'm inevitable. And Ray's like, and I am Iron Man. <laughs> she snaps her fingers. <laughs> yeah. And then he turns to dust, and but she dies, and then Kylo's like, "Wait, no, here's my life force," and then he dies, and then she goes to Tatooine and gets a new lightsaber for for merchandise, and then she's she becomes Ray Skywalker, even though she's Palpatine. And the entire part of the story was like to be like live who you are and grow from it. So you know, well, she, she is a said, Skywalker, but she's but she is. <clears throat> But Literally, who she, a Palpatine. So we're talking about identity here and how she perceives her own identity. So she perceives herself as a as a Skywalker. But her dad, her parents, doesn't matter who they love, who she loves, doesn't matter. We who cared about her. We will not we're Palpatine. We will not be J.K. Rowling this conversation about Skywalker and Palpatine last. Oh, identity. <laughs> last Are you names. saying identity thing? Yeah, she I can pick yeah, whoever she wants. She's allowed to identify herself as ever she wants. I'm just surprised she didn't own the Palpatine thing. I'm surprised yeah. the, the Palpatine thing was even a question. But that's you know. So this was a movie that we saw. I don't think it was too good. I think it was pretty bad. There's some cool things in it. The light speed jumping was fun. We could see a bunch of different worlds. That was cool. Billy D. Williams still can't act, and it was fun to see that he can't still act. Um, I like. There was there was a Samuel Jackson and a Liam Neeson thing. That was fun. Did you? I didn't yeah. hear his voice. Did you hear his voice? Yeah, Liam Neeson, Samuel Jackson. I heard Liam Neeson, Samuel Jackson, Ewan McGregor, and Hayden Christian. I heard like I was, I was. It's, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but it was weird that I was able to like identify. I, was I even, didn't like, get to Samuel I was Jackson. Like, oh, one of those voices is from like Rebels. Well, my problem was that there was Anakin Skywalker and also James Earl Jones. So I think. she got she learned she learned force healing powers. Like that's a big thing in this. Are we saying that Baby Yoda was a part of the Resistance? Because the only thing that we've ever seen do force healing. Is Baby Yoda. Right. So that's... Is Baby Yoda in the Resistance? I... We don't know. I'm sure we'll find out. And episode, season 17 of The Mandalorian. Um, which I'm sure they're going to rush out the second season now that this everyone hates this thing. Um, or, or I hope that Disney advertising executives now come out and are just like, Oh, all that stuff we had been saying last week about how much we hate Last Jedi, we didn't mean it. It was a joke. We love The Last Jedi. The last, this makes Last Jedi a lot better. I, I really like The Last Jedi. This yeah. makes me go like, oh man, you should have just kept Ryan Johnson on. I just, there's a couple like, of... Fuck the fans. There's a couple of things that this movie um, made me reflect on. Um, made think, him reflect on? No, made me reflect oh. on. In I'll terms think, of other movies. I think Ryan Johnson gives a shit. He defi- no, he definitely got drunk the night that it, like the reviews started coming out. The first Rotten just, Tomatoes like reviews are in. Ryan Johnson was just like, 
Ugh, and just started pounding him because he was totally been, like, oh, look at Knives Out's reviews. Look at oh. Knives Out's reviews of my totally original idea that I just made up out of nowhere and is going to make $100 million and maybe get nominated for multiple Oscars. Oh. Yeah. Um, I am definitely going to get screen, almost definitely getting a screenwriting nomination. I, you are not a Star Wars person. Yeah, I, I warmed up to it over the years. Mm-hmm. I like Mandalorian a lot. Yep. I'm um, more of a Star Wars person, although I think I'm a different Star Wars person, and then I don't really give a shit. Like, it ha- doesn't have any value in my life, except for the fact that... It's a fun serial thing. Me and my kids just watched the first two of these, the, the new... Pre- the new um, the sequel series? Yeah, the, the new Weekends trilogy. And yeah. Um, and they loved it. My daughter loved it because of the Ray stuff. She wanted to see this. She did her hair like Ray when we went to the movies. What's that? Um, What's the she's name? got like the three like bumps in the back. Oh, I never noticed that. Um, so I was gauging and I even said via text messages, like, I really don't even care what this, the, how this movie is. Like, as long as my kids like it, I'm fine. And my kids loved it. And it was very, like, except for... Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, they thought it was great. Caveat, they both said multiple times, I don't even know what's going on. Like, in the movies. And at one point, my wife was like, oh, I hope, I hope, um, she was like, I hope, our, it's, hard to, it's hard to say this without using names. Um, we both hoped our son was not going to be scared of the Palpatine parts. And then we asked him about it, and he's like, no, because I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> so... So clearly, he, if he underst- had just seen Ian McDermott's regular face, though, yeah. he would have screamed. He understood the first two movies. He even kind of got a little bit about what was happening on, like, that casino planet. Where I love when they go to these new worlds and you just see the one building and you're just like, so that's a casino planet? Like, does also, other things happen can we there? go like, to a third desert planet? Why is there so many desert planets? I don't know. Um, I actually thought that was. Would have been an interesting idea last movie to start introducing new worlds. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine with new worlds. Thing. Um, the problem with this movie is it didn't make any sense on a number of levels. So, in, if you hadn't seen The Mandalorian you or read anything about it, you would have no idea that they've reintroduced this. They've introduced force healing as a thing that exists unless you were, like, a, 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 a supreme consumer of... Star Wars books and novels and stuff like that. You know what I mean? If you just if you're a normal person and just go to the movies, that's not a thing. If you're a normal person and just go to the movies, this transferring of materials between like time and space is not a thing. Did that happen in Last Jedi? No. No, they talk to each other. I thought they could I thought they, and they could see each other. I thought she grabbed like well, a piece they of cloth. kind of they like touched it looked like they were going to touch each other a little bit. But he didn't take a glove or she didn't take a glove and bring it back with her to the, like the Irish island that you know Luke Skywalker was um, yeah. hiding out on. Um, I'll, I did to, to mention that I did like the part where he hits the the, the statue thing and sees the thing crumble and is like, "Oh, so that's where you are." Here's that's my fun. problem, Mario. I thought I thought I thought the force transferring thing was cool because Adam Driver got to make a cool face when he got that lightsaber, and we'll talk about Adam Driver in a second. I thought it was a good idea. The problem is that they are not... The problem... I just forgot something that makes me laugh. The problem, Mario, is that this... Even though this company is owned by Disney, and Disney owns Marvel, 
they didn't say to themselves, you know what would be a good idea? To do this Star Wars thing like we do the Marvel stuff. Because that way everything makes sense. This Well, now they're... they're Tiring Kevin Feig now, apparently. Right. New Star Wars no, but I heard that too, but it's as it's like in a very limited capacity. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see yeah. how long that sticks around. The idea that the first movie in a trilogy, the second movie in a trilogy, and the third movie in a trilogy have basically almost nothing to do with each other is unacceptable. Like, just in, from an artistic standpoint. I'm not even talking about making money. This is easy to do. Marvel has shown you how easy this is. Just make, before you start making the first movie, sit down and say, where's the story going to go? What are we going to do here? How are we going to figure, like, what's X, Y, and Z? Are we going to have a stormtrooper defect, which is something we've never seen before, not acknowledge that in the second movie at all, which is fine, but then bring it back in a kind of interesting way but really overly quick way in the third movie. And you know what's a real bummer about that? Like, the so that, that world of, like, the stormtroopers who have defected, they're, like, still blasting and killing stormtroopers willy-nilly. And, like, once you've introduced, like, stormtroopers are people who have been kidnapped as, you know, infants and kind of raised against their will, and you're just, like, making quips. Finn himself is making quips as he's blasting them. You're kind of going, like, this guy's a piece of shit. Well, just, it's just totally... That's weird, because you're just like, this is gross. I agree with you. It's totally weird. And the reason, though... These are slaves they're murdering. The reason it's totally weird is because this movie should have... Most of the stuff that happened inside of this movie should have happened in the second movie. So you know what would have been cool in the second movie? This whole Sith Wayfinder shit, where there's only two, and I don't even know where Kylo Ren was when he got the first one. Just a planet with not that many trees and, a, and an, a, an altar that you could just pull a Sith Wayfinder out of. And I don't know. Helmets. Where's that? Cool helmets. I don't know where that is. What's he doing? Um, how does that have any relation to anything that's happening? Also, they go on little missions in the second movie. Why don't they send them on a little mission to find this motherfucking Sith Wayfinder? Just introduce like vaguely the idea that there could be like a Palpatine threat out there and do that. But again, as, and as much as I love like having Richard E. Grant and stuff, maybe just have like Captain Phasma survive Last Jedi. Like, cause she survived weirdly the first one. Say that she didn't die from the fire, and now she's got like a higher position of power in Rise of Skywalker, and she's just the Richard yeah. E. Grant character. Well, hey, listen, if we're gonna just throw everyone into pools of lightning and they can just crawl back out of it. Or they can just be... I don't even know how Palpatine gets out of wherever he was to be have his body brought to Exegol and then hooked up to a crane and all that shit. And there's a a, a Sith temple full of Sith people? Yeah. Where only, are these Sith people all, from? There could only be two Sith, except for the 20,000 other Sith that yeah, are there. Yeah, who are those guys? It's a, it, so this is the thing. All of these things, when I was watching it, I was just kind of like... All right, this is pretty fun. Like, I'm I'm not convinced that Kylo Ren would have cut his leg off a thousand times transferring his lightsaber to this new underhand grab lightsaber style that they him and Ray are using all the time with his like the oh, hilt yeah. that like shoots off. I'm pretty sure he would not have like most of this side of his body anymore. But whatever. Um those parts are kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, the action scenes in this are fun. And Adam Driver, who we just saw in Marriage... Everyone just saw Marriage... Let's assume everyone just saw Marriage. And Adam Driver is playing a grown-up. He's singing Stephen Sondheim songs. 
He's yelling at his wife. He's having mixed feelings about his kid. And like that piece of shit kid. Oh, and like all sorts of things happening. And he's, and then you see him like a couple weeks later and he's this, he's just a big man baby. Who's like not doing, he's not doing a great job in this either. Well, I think he's, it was weird. He seemed to have very few lines. Mm-hmm. And even though he seemed to be in the movie like a bunch, he also didn't seem to be in the movie at all. It was really weird. Almost like he knew this was going to happen. He's just like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So I'll do these couple of things, but I'm not saying much. I'm just keeping my head down. I'm just going to get out of this contract and I'm just going to walk away from it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's... There's aspects of it I enjoyed. What are those things? Because I think so, too. I really like, I would say, even love. And I typically hated this character in the past. But C-3PO is a lot of fun in this. I like C-3PO in this. Yeah, he's good. He's like got, gets a more prominent role. As a kid, I was like, that was the only like thing I actually liked was C-3PO. But then I kind of grew, got older, and I was like, no, C-3PO kind of stinks. But they make it work this time, his quips and jokes. Well, there's some stakes to C-3PO, yeah. finally, which um, is good. I like that little thing. I like thing. Chewie's like, oh, yeah, the, no, thank you. That no, not the droid, that little thing that works on C-3PO's head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, God, what was, what was his name? It? That guy was awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, he goes, we, he, like, my oldest friend. <laughs> um, yeah, wow, well, what was his name? He was, he was delightful. I don't know. He was funny. Uh, oh, man, that's going to bug me. Whatever. Um, Bak, Baku, Bak yeah. something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Babu Freak. Yeah, sure. Babu Freak. Yeah, hi was, Babu Freak. That was pretty good. Um, I liked Chewie's reaction to Leia dying. Yeah, that was great. Uh, the action scenes. Were, were, Some were of them were great. Okay. Um, except I, for like the, the entire final thirty minutes. Well, were terrible. The I, entire final battle was awful. The um, well, because it was just disproportionate. I like Richard like, Grant. In this a lot. Like, I just I just liked what he was doing. Like he sold right. like, well, evil that's, really well. So one of the things I kind of liked about this, I like I actually kind of like John Boyega in this. I like um, I like the, the Oscar main Isaac. Three. In, I like the main three. It. Yeah, I think they're and acting they well. too much of a shit. But I think he's. I just think he's a, an interesting in a movie that's full of like roughly the same kind of characters on either side of like the force. Like, he's obviously not, like, for the dark side, but he's just got an edge to him, and nobody in this movie has any edge to them, like, despite the best efforts of everyone involved to make people have some edge to them. Um, well, I like, the thing I, I I like, too, is that I like Rey as a character. Like, I kind of... I like I Rey as a character, too, yeah. Like, I'm over the Skywalker shit. Like, I'm done with that story, but I would be completely fine with seeing more stuff with, like, Rey, Poe, and Finn. Well, that's... But, like, off the Skywalker shit. That's why it would have been cool if they were like, if what Adam Driver said, or what Kylo Ren said in the last movie, like your parents were no one, was actually true. Instead of saying like, you're a Palpatine, you're my granddaughter, and everyone just kind of be like, yeah, why is he? Who? Like, why? And like, what does that mean? <laughs> What's Palpatine the point of this? stinks in, like anything to do with Palpatine stinks in this. Why? Everyone, you know what I hate? I fucking hated the prequels. I hated all three of them. I think they're all terrible. You know what I hate more than even Jar Jar Binks? I liked Natalie Portman's midriff in the second one as a 13-year-old, <laughs> 14-year-old boy. The best part about Natalie Portman's midriff in the, the second one is that that shirt kept getting progressively shorter the longer that battle went on. It was great. She just kept getting singed shirt, like, right just there. And basically cut off, but not like she didn't get For no reason. Yeah, all. yeah. It was great. Um, I did like the Django Fett stuff. That's fine. I mean, I don't understand why they picked him 
why the Jedi picked him to clone, but whatever. Oh, the Sith you do? Yeah. Because Mandalorians. Whatever. Dead, right? Sure. Um, the worst part, and not even Jar Jar Binks, or the, all the trade stuff, or like all the weird like commerce things that they're doing in like, you know, the Galactic Senate and all that other garbage, or even Count Dooku, who is fucking terrible. ETs are there. The Palpatine stuff, Ian McDermott is the worst. The Palpatine's story arc in those first three movies is the fucking worst. How did anybody not know that he was the fucking Emperor? Also, yeah. That he was a Sith Lord. How did they not know it? You know what would have been fine with me? Like, it, you could have taken a prequel thing, and like, this sounds like, you know, fan theories and whatnot, but you kind of have this, this, this thread throughout it these films and like Stoke is like this kind of thing who's like on the edge of death looking like he's on the edge of death or whatnot. Apparently it's because they grow him in a, in a weird <sighs> fucking tube. yellow tube or something. Like, yeah. They do that story in what Revenge of the Sith of um, the, the Count uh, Darth Plagueis or whatever. Mm. Like if they had just made just done the same thing with Palpatine but made it Darth this Darth Plagueis guy in the end like he was the puppet behind all of it too. Like the same thing. Let's just not yeah, yeah, Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. I think I would have been like, okay, okay, and like at least we get to see this Darth Plagueis guy and like Palp, like because this undermines the original trilogy. I haven't like the Darth Vader sacrifice mean like nothing because Palpatine was apparently just fine. The guy's yeah. fingers cut off a bit. Yeah, because he used too much lightning. And they became they became a Dementor and sucked out the power of love. But not not what, what? my favorite thing. Why? Is- that was like the one part where I was like, what the fuck? I was sitting there like, he's like, oh, the force bond between you. And he just starts eating it. Well, I and love, I'm like, what is No, this? that's not even the worst part. The worst part is in, then he just is sitting and he shoots lightning out of his fingers with his arms in his lap. And the lightning goes up into the sky. <coughs> but the lightning only hits resistance ships. I mean, I think that's fine. Maybe he can, maybe he can direct it. Whatever, I'm, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief on that. I, what I'm not willing to suspend my disbelief on, though, is like, I'll, he's I'll, like Kylo. Kill Rey. I'm pretty sure you're in love with Rey. I'm pretty sure you're going to bring her here. But, you know, I'm taking a risk here. Oh, hopefully it worked out. Wait a minute. You know what? I could just stay Emperor. Yeah. I'm just going to do that instead. I'll just like suck out your plan, life force. He's, he's been building this plan for 30 years, I would assume. He adapted quickly. Yeah. For having like spent thirty years and building like a a force of ships, where he got the materials from, I don't know. Like there was there was a big thing going on. Like they had to bring that metal in from off off planet. Yeah. He he really changed his mind pretty quickly. <laughs> yep, he did. I will def- also. What happened in the Last Jedi that made him suddenly go like? I, I can reveal myself now. I'm guessing Luke being dead. But it's been a year. <laughs> I, well, I just don't know what happened in The Last Jedi where anyone was like, anything that the First Order is doing is a good idea, especially when we have this other thing. Why don't we just do nothing? And then we'll just bring out all the ships and we'll just blow everything up. I don't think they want to blow everything up, but they want to have the threat of blowing everything up. But if they had to, they would do it. No. So why even bother? bother? Why even bother with the First Order? Why even send the message? Why not just put the ships in... Space, like get, like get the some yeah. of the first, like or what? You know what? Train your Sith priests to become pilots. Yeah. 
There's a lot of There's them. There's a ton of who all they all die instantaneously. She commits mass genocide. They kill so many people. The good guys are real shits. It's just weird. It's a weird movie, but there's it's it's also weird because there's interesting it's things. Dominic Monahan's in it. <laughs> I don't know where he came from. I was just like, wait a second, it's a Hobbit. What the hell is that guy doing there? It's like J.J. Abrams. You need to put everyone from your shows in your movies. Um, no, I didn't put Hurley in this. Well, from... no, apparently, I, I, nope, not gonna do it. <laughs> I was going to make a mean joke, but can't make mean jokes. Um, yeah, it was just weird. It was just very inconsistent. There's interesting things that are happening kind of on the on the outskirts. Um, it's another one of those terrible, terrible endings to uh, like a series where in the last act they introduced a whole bunch of extra new things, and there's like, why don't we know about this? Like Horcruxes. Like Horcruxes, yeah. I'm, well, glad, I'm glad we can now admit J.K. Rowling sucks as a human being. To defend Horcruxes, I guess, a little bit, is that she had technically been talking about Horcruxes the whole time. Dumbledore just wasn't able to kind of put them together as Horcruxes. Um, How? But I also felt the same way when I got... Because in book two, like, one of the Horcruxes is the Tom Riddle's diary. So they destroy that in book two. Um... There is, but do they mention? They don't say like piece of soul. There's no like incense. No, piece no, of no. Soul. But they they talked about the item. Yeah, that's fine. Right. It's just in the end she went like, oh, oh. I felt the same way when I opened it. I was like, wait a second, or or not even. So Horcrux, no, Horcrux, yes, but like there's a caveat. The thing that always bothered me was like the Deathly Hollows, and everyone's like, well, Dumbledore's had his wand the whole time, and like Harry's had an invisibility cloak. I was like. That stuff is stupid. Yeah. That stuff. And, like, they that, just invented a, a rock to, that brings people back to life for literally no reason. Well, the thing, that, the thing that bugs me about Harry Potter is the fact that, like, it was established that they're going to have to kill each other. Like, one of them's going to have to kill the other one, like, kind of. Yeah. And Harry just doesn't, doesn't kill Voldemort. He just uses a deflection thing. And, like, it thought for a second that was going to happen in this movie, in Rise of the Skywalker. But at least, like, she actively seemed to, like, push it back into a... Mm-hmm. I liked Ray as a character, though. I, I think that's the thing. I like, think a lot of people hate Ray. I don't get the, the hatred no, of Ray. Is, Ray is great. She's kind of, she's kind of. I kind of like her more than I like Luke. I don't like her as much as I like like Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi. But we, need, I think we need to do a separate podcast about how much Ewan McGregor is probably not a good anything. He's charismatic. I think he is, but I also think he's terrible. And we'll talk about that later. Well, in the it's episode. kind of like Ryan Reynolds. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is that good, but Ryan Reynolds is charismatic. Can we? Um, Say on the record now. Can I get you to sign a document saying we will not see or talk about or even I'm mention see, ever again? I'm see free guy. Th- ah, not, damn it, Mario! I'm not gonna talk about damn it. Damn it! I don't have to talk about it, but I will see it. I said it via text message. I was like, Ryan Reynolds' children better appreciate everything he's doing for them. He's gonna leave them so much money. Blake Lively better appreciate everything he does Blake for her. Blake Lively's got that you got that Jude Law movie coming But that's out. what I'm saying is that she gets to make... What the fuck's that called? The Rhythm Section. But she gets Why to make... Why is that movie called The Rhythm Section? I don't know. But she gets to make vaguely interesting movies. I don't know if this movie's going to be any Have good. Have you seen the trailer for The yeah, Rhythm Section? Yeah, it, it doesn't... Looks it looks pretty good. good. That movie she made with Anna Kendrick got good reviews. She's not a bad actress. No. She's a better actress than her husband. But she gets to do that because he just makes shit. And gets a lot of money for I it. know. <laughs> it's crazy. to him. No. No, he seems like a nice guy. I just feel bad for him. I wonder, kind of, kind of wonder what these people are going to do now. Well, I mean, Oscar Isaac and John Boyega, I think, are fine. Adam Driver's fine. Daisy Ridley's been doing some stuff. 
She just hasn't been she able was to in, kind like, of murder in the Orient Express, but she hasn't been able to parlay it into like more like, yeah. interesting movies. Um, but we'll see. I mean, some of the other it's it's problematic, I think, for her that she didn't have much of a career before this, because Felicity Jones did Rogue One, which she's more well known for, I guess, like in a, as a mass like group of people know her most from that than they do from like any of the other stuff she's done. You forgot she was in Theory of Everything. I did because I fucking hate that movie. Yeah, that terrible. was a traumatic. That was a traumatic evening for me. That was number. That's number one on my best of the decade list. Um, I'm, I'm sad that it's not earlier, so I can walk out after it and have it mean something. Um, yeah, the Michael Keaton losing to Eddie Redmayne was like a real blow to like my psyche. Um, but she's been able to turn. She's been able to do like actual interesting movies still. Like whatever you feel about the Aeronauts, you know it's a, it's apparently a, a pretty good movie. Yeah, oh, I mean, I forgot that came out. I took a, I a There's two movies I have to watch. I have to watch. I know. All Togo right. and and Aeronauts. But we watched. So it's the twenty second today, on the twentieth. Two, two. I don't know what, what do we want to call them. Two like old men. There's like a there's like the con, a concluding film of the Skywalker saga, but there's also an equally reflective. Movie. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to spin this into combining them somehow. Besides their release dates, and it's not working. Um, the other movie we're going to talk about today on our, um, you know, little bonus but real episode here is uh, The Two Popes. There's a saying, God always corrects one pope by presenting the world with another pope. I should quite like to see my correction. Cuando tenga la tierra. Reform needs a politician. The most important qualification for any leader is not wanting to be leader. It's not me who needs to be satisfied. It's 1.2 billion believers. You're the right person. Church needs to change and you could be that change. It could never be me. Nothing is static in nature, not even God. Where should we find him if he's always moving? On the journey? Oh, perhaps we'll find God over there. On the journey. I'll introduce you to him. Must remember that you are not God. You're only human. Before we get into this, did you know Commissar Rex is an actual TV show? I, I just assumed it was. I just thought it was like one of those fake TV shows that like they're shown as a I'm joke. glad it is. Yeah. That show like, looks awesome. It has, really quickly, 18 seasons. 18? What is it? And 209 episodes. Woo! That, that wait, what is that? Only 209. I mean, you're a... They do less yeah. episodes. But it had a... 119 it's original but then it got revived uh so it's an austrian show for 10 years Mm -hmm. and then it went off the air so 94 to 2004 then it came back at italy from 2008 to 2015 Hmm. i mean that was the thing that when i watched this movie i was wondering about the most well i was like i was like did fernando marielis put a fake show in this is like fun i like looked it up i was like he would totally do it he would do it um like you said fernando marielis director of City of God, which we've talked about once, which we'll talk about 
um, a bunch more times. And blindness and constant gardener. Um, and other things, lots of other things, just not things that, you know, got widely released here that I've seen. Um, I never saw 360. Based, I didn't see it either. Um, it is based on a play? Yeah, it's based on The Pope by uh, screenwriter Anthony McCartan. Yep. Um, play. It depicts the election of John Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, um, to the papacy after the death of John Paul II. Um, it touches... No relation to Boston John Paul. No, no. Um, it touches um, elegantly, but briefly, on many of the controversies that kind of surrounded Ratzinger in, in the final, you know, you know, two, three years of, of his papacy. Um, uh, so, yeah, involving... Um, like things relating directly to the papacy, like money and corruption and stuff like that, but also like uh, some of the sexual abuse scandals um, and stuff. Um, he is, you know, when we first meet him, he doesn't look good. Um, when we meet him later in the movie, um, Mary Ellis does this really awesome time skipping thing where he just kind of shows a picture and then just shows the date flipping. Um, in any other director's hands, it would be stupid, but he makes it work somehow. Um we see him a few years later, and he looks really old, and he looks really tired, and he um, calls Cardinal, I'm going to, I want to get it right, I want to get it right, Borgoglio, right? Yeah. Bergoglio. 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 Um, from Argentina, played by Jonathan Price. Back, back again after last week. Um, to his summer his summer house in Italy to just discuss some things. Bergoglio has some things to discuss with him as well. He was, he would like to resign his, his siege as Cardinal and just become a, a pastor, a, you know, father of a church. Um, they spend the afternoon together. They spend the evening together. They, they go, um, to the Vatican later that the next day. Um, so they can, um, so the Pope is embroiled in another scandal. Some of his people surrounding him are embroiled in another scandal that he has to deal with. Um, they have conversations about the nature of Catholicism and, and what the papacy means and what being a Catholic means and what being a Christian means. And um, it's one of the more insightful, like it's very really f- deep and but but nuanced, incredibly nuanced conversations on. So the humor. Because of that nuance, the humor that they kind of overlay over everything um, really works and is really light and makes you feel good, even though, like, around this. And I think this is my, me and my wife talked about this a bunch. Had one of the best re- re- responses to a joke ever, too. Huh? huh? <laughs> oh, it's a joke. That's silly. That's <laughs> a silly joke. Um, Man, I love Hopkins in the. We wondered if there would be some controversy about it because of the fact that it's not just about like all the terrible things the Catholic Church has done. Did you think about that at all? No, I, I figured people would be okay. I with didn't it. when I was watching. It was only after the fact that I was just like, I feel like there's someone on the internet's going to be like, why is how can they make this movie when they've done all these terrible? Well, I'm sure things? there's a medium contrib- contributor or Forbes contributor that's writing it as we speak. Right. Um. He. Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, suggests to Bergoglio that he would be a good new pope because the church, he's 
come to the uh, conclusion that the church needs to change, finally. And he's going to step down. He's going to retire. Bergoglio tries to convince him not to retire. Um, pope Benedict tries to convince Bergoglio not to retire so that he can be the next pope. Bergoglio does become pope, and um, he is obviously Pope Francis now. Um, I won- When this movie started, I, it occurred to me, like as I started this movie, I was like, what is Mirielis going to do with this? Like I didn't, it, I knew he directed it, but I was actually making my top twenty of the last twenty years list. I was writing an entry for that when I turned the movie on, and I was just like looking at the I mean, name. I assume he shows up on both of our yeah. lists for that. I was looking at that, and I was like, "How's this gonna work?" You know what I mean? Like I'd seen the Constant Gardener, I'd seen um, Blindness. I was like, "How is this?" I've seen the previews for this. It's just two old guys walking around. Like, how is this going to work? And then the movie starts, and it is all him, and it is just majestic. Like, it's just it just works. But majestic in, like, a good way. In, like, a really loose, fun, but totally in control way. You know what I mean? Like, when he's... When Bergoglio's talking in that opening scene and they show that kid you kind of think that kid is him like maybe i don't know what you don't know exactly what decade you are they haven't delineated like black and white world from like present world and they haven't started with dates or anything yet it's just one guy talking and you assume it's it's um pope francis and they show a kid but then they show that like the street art you know what i mean and it's just like the liveliness and how everything's rolling and it's just so Muriel's that I just kind of like fell right into it. And Jonathan Price is so amazing. And Anthony Hopkins is so amazing um, that I just kind of, I just kind of gave up trying to like figure it out anymore and just like spent two hours with these guys. Um, yeah, no, I, I am absolutely on that level. Um, it's, it's an incredible amount of control in this film, like, like just an articulate amount of control. Everything is nuanced. Um, you feel as though, even though you have two powerhouses in price and Hopkins, um, you know, I, despite your, your reservations for it, I nominated Jonathan price for my best supporting actor last year. I know you still disagree with that, but you know, not Jonathan because price, he's bad, because that whole movie fucking sucks. But the level by which they communicate um, has has a pure natural naturalism to it. It 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 is like we said that the entire joke and Hopkins' response to it, and um, you know the part where you know the way they play off each other like that, or the part where Hopkins is doing the <laughs> the prayer for the pizza. Yeah. And oh you yeah. You see, just you know Francis getting <laughs> kind of irritated because he just wants to eat pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that really got me the the most stunning two sequences in this are really stunning and and they're both a testament to the performance and the blocking decisions um made leading into those moments um so the first being the black and white kind of sequence where he you know uh, bergoglio um is in a romance but realizes you know he has that moment where he talks to the priest with cancer Mm -hmm. that comes his calling towards the priesthood and you just get that quick color like before it, it rests on him later on kind of like looking out the vista you during the middle 
of the kind of like the, the growth of the romance, it cuts to that shot where he looks out that vista and it's just a great, you know, third shot yeah. of him standing out, looking out. You get the, the control of color that Murray Ellis is able to do no matter who he's working with that you see in City of God. And it's it it's thematically a great narrative device because it's saying that like that that beat was there because that shot of color is like the realization even though it's taking part in the past that that black and white sequence that shot of color is like that calling was always there and it's kind of repeated where Brogilio always says mm-hmm. if it wasn't if I didn't go in you know God would have found me another way um, and secondly when you know he's visiting with Benedict and he goes to watch uh, World Cup match. I think he's just watching. It might just be the World match. Cup, but I think it's just soccer. I mean, they're, they're countries. So I, yeah. I assume maybe it was World Cup or World Cup qualifier. Um, you know, and he says like, God bless the, the guy that scored the goal, goal. And he's like, also God bless the Pope. Oh, that's World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy says, oh, the that, you know, let him bless himself, Nazi. Mm-hmm. And Price is just, no. He's like, like overcome with like. Just the amount. And, like, that build-up to that of just, like, this unity and, like, Francis being kind of a person that's always on the ground and with the people. But at the same time, like, having still that kind of, like, realization of the separation between the Catholic community and Benedict and this, like, the break there. You kind of, like, it has just this, this amazing sense of both, you know, Price is able to convey the fact that, like, he himself hasn't realized how far... Like Benedict's kind of become separated from, mm-hmm. you know, the the church as a whole, from the people as a whole, and and it really resonates with what Hopkins will say about you know, with you know I don't hear God anymore. I believe in God, and I keep trying to call him, and maybe he's just saying you know, you know, rest now, you, my faithful servant. Like like you're done, and all of that, just everything compiles every small moment, and this movie's really slight, like. It's it's whispers to you almost. It's it's a it's not a bombastic narrative. It's it's really reserved, very controlled. But that nuance is important because it's it has this like predestination aspect to it. It almost it almost kind of seems to convey like there is like a like a force moving these people in this direction. I thought so too, and I think it's because um, we already know what happens. Yeah. So it's just it's not like um, it's not a mystery to us how this is going to go. It's just the question of like how we're going to get there and what what um, theological logic they're going to use to justify both of their decisions. Um, but also, I I think interestingly in that vein, the theological logic they use to justify like the decisions they made up to that point. You know what I mean? Because it's not it, it's all about they all they both made a choice at some point in their life that kind of led to them being the people that they are now. Um, and in Ratzinger, it's, you know, the bookish kind of uh, follow the rules, doctrine, dogma guy. And for Francis, it's just this constant penance for, like, whatever happened. During um, the Dirty Wars. During the Dirty Wars. And I mean, interestingly enough, my mother-in-law lived in Argentina during those wars. And so she was telling my wife last night about, like, all the stuff. Like, What's the opinion of Francis off of that from... Well, they're. It's hard. I don't. I don't Is she know. Catholic? Or? I don't know if they like what they're. They love them because it's Argentina, um, and I think all the stuff about that stuff went away when he became when they got a pope. The first Latin American pope is from Argentina. Like that's they don't really care anymore. 
Um, I know one of the priests said that was like one of the priests that was tortured said he was involved. He kind of like he washed his hands too much of them. And mm-hmm. That's what led to it. And the air one was like, no, that's not necessarily true. And it was like a right. employee. Um, but just about. I don't, I don't think there's a huge outcrying of hatred against Pope Francis. In, no, in the no, no, no. World. I don't think so at all. Um, oh, it is. It is a. It is a. It is a World Cup match. But they're watching. Oh, in that, yeah, but that in was the, in the end. But like in the early, end, was, I think it's supposed to be still World Cup. Um, but I think it's interesting to think about these people as people because you don't really think of them as people. You just think of them as kind of divinely chosen to be whatever. The, all that stuff inside. Um, um, what do they call it when they're choosing the Pope? The the con, uh, concave con, conclave. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah, the, uh, papal conclave or whatever, um, was all really interesting, and I'm, uh, I'm assuming that's all that's how it's done because why would they bother showing it if it wasn't actually done that way? Um, you know, the idea of wanting to be pope versus not wanting to be pope um, was really interesting, but it was um, the performances are just kind of so life affirming. You know what I mean? Like they just. Uh, they did everything. Both Price and Hopkins did everything right. And I think I think clearly the easy way. And I, the, the hesitation I had with this film coming in was, was good. like I'm not a Benedict fan, just from a political. Standpoint. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but I really I, I thought it was going to very take the easy road of painting him just kind of as this like out of touch villain, not necessarily villain, but out of touch person who's just like leaving out of the a political motivation. And dealing with like the conflict between, and I wasn't too familiar with the, the relationship between, um, you know, Ratzinger and um, Bergoglioli, but I thought I was going to take take that route, but instead taking this like it really props him up as a human being and like deals with his own personal demons incredibly well that it, it makes him a really sympathetic character. Well, I think he's just so because he's so old and he's so out of Feeble, touch yeah. that like all these. I have a pacemaker, half blind, yeah. can't see out of my left. And like, I love when he points, like, I can't see out of, I think it's my left eye. Yeah. Like, just that double whammy of... Well, and all these people, so all these people just kind of, and he doesn't even choose anything anymore. Everything's just like the way that it's, everything's just kind of the way that it's done. So like, when even like Francis he, kind of takes a, he like, rejects the shoes and the, like the traditional garb worn by the Pope when he gets... Like uh, you know, elected and has to go stand on the balcony and kind of like speak to the masses. Are ta- talking to the Swiss Guard? Oh, that's yeah, the Swiss Guard. But just I love when he's like the circus is over or the carnival is over, about like wearing this, wearing all the shit. Um, Ratzinger just didn't have any thoughts anymore about anything. So I'm assuming everyone well, just did everything for him, and he just said yes or no or didn't say anything. Well, I think it's about play- whatever. I think that's kind of like played up in a very subtle but smart way in his like watch that tells him like keep moving when to move yeah like that's the thing and i think that's that's smart and saying like he's at a point now where he's just so washed out from dealing with the vatican papers leak from his age Mm -hmm. and his health you know and just the the weight of people just hating him because like you can't be benedict in the era we're in now right um that he is just so beaten down and so just like even now like movement is prescribed to him. Yeah. Um, but I think... But it's just too fantastic fucking... Like, this is what I'm going to say. Let's compare this to other 
Netflix movie about old people being old and dealing with aging Marriage and story? dealing with like the two the two two worlds colliding and out of touch with the current world. I am mother. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually talking about in the shadow of the moon. Oh uh, yeah, that was about that. <laughs> He's getting older. Um, you know, comparing this with Irishmen, like and oh and, yeah, I thought about that a lot. And I'm just saying this kind of like this is. I mean, I'm, I don't want to like this is handled with such nuance. Um, and I think Irishman does a lot of nuance, but this is when you have an, two incredibly talented <clears throat> actors with an incredibly talented director handling a topic with nuance versus having two incredible actors and some more incredible actors and an incredible director trying to do things with not nuance, but, you know, like in a gangster movie and also having Robert De Niro, you know, you realize... Yeah, that Robert De Niro. Is, I is actually the bad part. I've, Can I put Robert De Niro as my worst movie of the year? Just De Niro. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I was actually thinking about a lot Irishman a lot when I was watching this too, and I think it's. Um, I actually think about. I think Irishman is a Scorsese problem, more than it is a De Niro problem. Oh, it's definitely a De Niro problem, <laughs> but Scorsese should have known better because Muriel's is doing stuff that Scorsese would have done maybe 20 years ago. Um. Obviously, he's doing something different. This movie has all of his signature shit, like, all over it. But there's an energy to this. There's an energy to a movie that has no energy that, like, Scorsese made a gangster movie that is asleep for three hours. Asleep. Even when people are getting shot in the face, they're doing it in the most sleepy way possible. And I know people like to talk about elegy, and they like to talk about memory and they like to talk about like death and like um you know thinking about you know like put your life put, trying to put your life into perspective that movie is like a dead movie like except for when joe pesci is lighting it on fire with his eyeballs or al pacino is just al pacinoing all over everything and there's just al pacino hanging from the walls and staining the carpet and like whatever um that movie, any other time, is a, a lifeless hunk of whatever he shot that with. And I'm assuming it's digital, so it's not even like it exists in a, in a real format. You know what I mean? Just nothing. It's just, it doesn't exist. Well, I guess also my problem with that, too, is I don't think Scorsese's at an age yet where he really kind of... I don't think he, like, is so tired and washed out, like, at a point where he's trying to create a washed-out movie like this. Um that he can't capture that. He still has so much energy that like even Irishmen, when it's talking about aging and being washed out and at the end of the rope, there's still a disingenuous, like it's still kind of disingenuous about that because it feels like there's, it's asleep, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it understands. His mind is working on that level that you're describing. I don't think his body is in De Niro. De Niro's mind and body 100% are not. Which blows my mind because Al Pacino's mind and body are one hundred percent there, and Al Pacino's like the oldest. Well, one I'm of glad all how we've, I'm glad we've taken this to like an Irishman place, but I mean, actually, this is a really good transition into our, like our our next topic. But um, really quickly though, yeah, Anthony McCartan. This 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 is this is weird to me because it's a solid screenplay in this. You know, what Anthony McCartan's worked on besides besides this, right? Please say the Irishman. He uh, his previous screenwriting critics. Include the theory of everything. No! 
Darkest Hour. Oh my god, Mario. What are we doing? And Bohemian Rhapsody. I quit. I quit movies. How did... What happened? He got good all of a sudden. Yeah, he's just like... Apparently he needs the right plays and turn and those plays into movies. Yeah, was, was Darkest Hour wasn't a play, was it? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. Darkest Hour was terrible. All three of those movies I just mentioned were terrible. But Darkest Two Popes is like oh, one of yeah, the best. That's true. They all, they all got... They all were recognized for... Wait, what was the first one you read? Theory of Everything, which was a... Uh, it wasn't... They were all recognized for all, stuff. Actually, Theory of Everything is not a bad screenplay. It's just... No, no, it's not It's just... He's not fair. Michael Keaton. I think... Eddie all, Redmayne just isn't Michael Keaton. All three of those are Best Picture nominees. <sighs> Gee, I mean, he's got, a, he's got four. And he's got four in a row here. Do you, think, do you think... Do you think this is going to get nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. think so. I think it will. So, this is the last thing I wanted to say. Price gets, Price gets nominated. And Hopkins gets nominated. It's going to be... I don't. I don't know. I don't think their Hopkins is going to get nominated because they're already going to nominate two old guys. Um, just, just nominate all the old guys. I listened to two different podcasts, one on the Ringer and one I don't remember which podcast it was that said that this movie was going to be the the sleeper movie, the sleeper Oscar movie that no one's going to think about, and that in the last week before it comes out, before the Oscars come out, everyone's going to be like. Holy shit, the two popes. It's going to be like fan thread. Like a ruin. Like a, yeah, like how everyone's like, well, it's just coming out too late. No one's going to see it. And then Phantom Thread gets six nominations. All big ones. Like Six? six? I thought I got yeah, five. six, yeah. Well, I thought I got five. And it won... One? One, one costume. Um, yeah, well, because it got... Score, yeah, costume, Picture, score, score director... Supporting actress, uh, lead actor, director, picture. So it got six, you're right. I did that off of memory. I could have done it too, but you interrupted me. I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what they said. They said, look out for the two popes because people just kind of like it. I think it'll get, I think it, I don't think it's, we, and we can go back to this. I don't know how much time we want to spend on this because we have other stuff we want to do tonight before we, before we call out a wrap on this kind of semi bonus episode. Um, I don't know. I, cause I think, you can make a case for like the top five or six or maybe even seven like uh, that it seem fairly obvious, but there's like the eight, nine, ten. Like how many get in there? And there's like a whole bunch of movies that are kind of vying for that spot. Yeah. So we'll see. And vying, vying for top spots. That's a. It could get cluttered. Yeah. But vying for the bottom. It could also get pretty cluttered, especially this year. Let's uh let's it's take a break. Let's take a break and then we'll get right to that. We are talking now about the worst of the year. In a few weeks we're going to be talking about the best, but you know what? We're going to want to separate the shit from the gold. Mostly gold. Not once again, not the strongest year in film. There's overall. A, I'm actually finding so I have 6 now. Firm Firm six. Well, I know your number one like blew your mind, right? And we've we can't talk about my number yeah. one any more than we've already talked. <laughs> already and talked like, about my it. current number one. I really like. Yeah, um, but, but I don't. Seven through ten is. I love it, but I don't like. Love seven through it. ten is really up in the air for me, like really up in the air. Like I actually don't know what it is. I could go. I could go in a very chalk direction, like from a mainstream awards recognition standpoint, or I can go a little bit weirder. The thing that's funny is actually looking at my top ten. I think my top 10, a new movie 
that we've talked about every week for the past four weeks is in my top ten in some way or another. Yeah, tis the season. It's tis the season of goodness. But the season of badness was also kind of full out throughout this year. And so now oh, we're yeah. going to talk about our, oh, yeah. our bottom five films of the year. Quickly, though, I just want to have a couple dishonorable mentions. Sure. Um, first would be Brightburn. Oh, yeah, you did not like Brightburn. Oh, yeah, Brightburn was a travesty. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it, coming back to it, I rewatched it. It's, it's barely passable, but it's the dishonorable mention because it's squandering, so badly squandering opportunity. It's, it's a great concept. It's a pretty good idea, yeah. You know, it's, it's a good you know, tagline of Superman, but bad horror. The movie. mask is pretty good. It's a pretty good mask that he wears. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant. I thought you were talking about the 1994 Jim Carrey comedy. I'm definitely not. <laughs> I was like, I am definitely the, not. What does that have anything to do with? Oh, with Brightburn. Yeah, no. And you know, the kills are pretty okay. They're just badly CGI, mm-hmm. but it's just. Just a squandered opportunity. Um, the second kind of dishonorable mention is a good movie that's really ruined by its graphic violence, and that's The Forest of Love. Um, that Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A Japanese crime movie by Sino Sono. Um, a really solid, disturbing film about kind of like sexual violence and gaslighting that just has these moments of teenage angsty super gore. Um that don't at all play a role in kind of building that narrative. They just are kind of there to be gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just be, ends up being a bummer. Good movie. Way too long. I mean, it's 140, 150 some minutes. Who do you think he is? Martin Scorsese? <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, it, it has those moments that just take you completely out of it. And it just was a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like those two movies are just kind of like, not necessarily terrible movies. They're just bummers. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people trying to be Martin Scorsese, and speaking of being a try-hard angsty person, my number five worst film of the year is going to be a lot of people's probably top movies of the year because they're fucking idiots, and that is Todd Phillips' Joker. Nice. The Joker is a travesty in almost every possible I'm way. Actually, I'm hoping that the uh, that the Oscars don't fall for it as much as everyone. I, I think they it's do. It's going to get a bunch of stuff. It just is going to get it. Um, it might even win some stuff, but I feel like it's going to be under-recognized like when the, when the night ends, if, we care, if you care about that. I, I think that's where we're going. I, I hope so. Um, but every part of this is, is not good. Um, the, the score, which people are now saying is like one of the better scores of the year, is, is oh, patently wrong. It has, it has that opening good like Joker suite like when he's, after he gets beaten. I like that song. Yeah, I don't like the framing of that shot, but I no. love, I love that. That's no, the centered song. shots and this like like listening to I think that that variety, that Vanity Fair uh, YouTube video where Todd Phillips talks about the beginning of the film and like the sequences of how he did it. You can tell that Todd Phillips thinks he's an auteur and a mm-hmm. and a smart filmmaker. Oh yeah. And then you realize that Todd Phillips isn't any of those. He made Due Date. Due Date. Mm-hmm. The the Robert Downey Jr., Zach Galifianakis, garbage fire of a film. Um, you know, the, the thing, and I think the thing that bothers me most about this is that it feels like an incredibly immature filmmaker who doesn't have a grasp on how to actually tell a story in any compelling way. Um, made this movie, 
and a bunch of tools. I'm not. This is mean. A bunch of idiots who don't. No, yeah, I'm gonna say that. a bunch of idiots who don't really know film. Now are saying this is a genius work of cinema because this is like their only introduction to a movie that's trying something different. But if your vocabulary on film is, and this is gonna sound as though I'm gatekeeping, and you know what, I fucking am because I've seen a lot more movies than most people, and so I can. Has an authority. This is unpleasant say, conversation. No, I don't care. <laughs> I'm standing on a pedestal right now. He is. He is, folks. I'm standing on my chair. Um, I've had people come up to me and be like, but this is, you know, it's doing so many new things yeah. and taking so many new roads, but it's not. You know. I had the same conversation at a Christmas party about The Irishman. Yeah. Like a guy that I know doesn't really watch that many movies. It's like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It's like, well, I don't know. But like beyond the comparisons to, you know, Taxi Driver or King Comedy or whatnot, you know, like, I, like I've said repeatedly, you were never really here that a lot of similar things emotionally. Sure. And with a good Joaquin Phoenix performance. And this Joaquin Phoenix performance, it's just passable. It's fine. Um, you know, I t- ask everybody that says, like, Joker's like, one of the better movies I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, have you seen your Neverly Here? And the response is always, what's that? Yeah. Because they haven't seen enough movies. I think you talk to too many people. You should talk to less people. Well, they just know I have a film podcast. They know I see a lot of movies. So they ask me opinions no, about no. this. So this is the best thing that happens to me. Like, people come up to, uh, people come up to me and they're like, oh, did you see this? I'm like, yeah, I fucking saw it. I see everything. Like, if I didn't see it, it's because I don't have to see it. Well, to be fair, people come up to me and be like, have you seen Terminator Dark Fate? And I'm like, why the fuck would I see Terminator Dark Fate? <laughs> why did anybody say I mean, we sound like total douchebags now, but when people come I up to me and it. ask me if I've seen The Lighthouse, like, yeah, I fucking saw The Lighthouse. Don't worry about it. You're not sneaking one past me here. But I guess the people, I, got it. I do randomly see, like, we, like, Brightburn. Sure. Like, that's a weird one for me to have seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the, the, the list... It's like, if somebody asked me if I've seen Jumanji the next level, I'm like, I haven't seen Jumanji the next level, but I understand where you're coming from. My, my number five is going to be one of those movies where people are going to be like... Is it Jumanji the next level? No, my number five is the Steven Soderbergh dumpster fire called The Laundromat. <laughs> no! It's... Laundromat's <laughs> so much fun. The Laundromat is terrible here's the thing if you're not having fun at the laundromat then you are angry that you watched the laundromat like there's only two kinds of people people that fucking hate the laundromat and people that are like that was okay it was fun no that's it the people who think the people who also agree it's a garbage fire but find it hilarious oh it's just we are two sides of that coin i I find it hilarious jp who our good friend jp oh yeah jp's here have you seen the laundromat i have not oh I think, he would, I think he would fall on. I don't do a podcast. Oh. <laughs> I think he would fall on your, I think he would fall on your, your level of hating that, though. He might not. I, don't, I hate it for a lot of reasons. I hate it because it doesn't make any sense. I hate, I hate it because of the faux audacity of what Steven Soderbergh thinks he's making here, which is like some really ironic but... Um, powerful and relevant film about something that we all need to be aware of like he's really informing us about something and we do but not Meryl Streep should not be involved in it and neither should David Schwimmer and neither all right David Schwimmer's in that movie (laughs) and neither should any of these people and it should not end with by far the single worst shot of the year which is Meryl Meryl Streep who's taken off all of her Meryl Streep Meryl Streep 
posing as a Statue of Liberty as she's delivering a monologue about you Congress. Know, oh my God, it's disgusting. But you're not once again talking about. The Antonio Banderas, Gary Oldman. Here's the problem with that, though, Mario. Antonio Banderas is actually pretty good in this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, pretty good. What the hell is Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman doing? <laughs> what is it? I, I feel like... What are you playing at... What did we say? He sounds like a Dutch man and he's supposed to be playing... No, he sounds like a German playing a Dutch he just like that? I don't know. He sounds like a... I don't know. I don't know what he sounds like. Yeah, he sounds like he's doing his Lee Harvey Oswald accent, but is doing... Like, putting, like, a Nordic quality on it, too. And I feel like Antonio Banderas the whole time is just, like... What are you doing? He's still on like that pain and glory train. Are we gonna do? Are we gonna snake it? So I'll do four. If you do four, then I would do four and, and three. three. Then you would do three and two. No, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so my number four, which we don't need to talk about very much, is Six Underground. Um, it, it, I, I, I see what you're we saying. Talked about last week. I yeah. see what everyone's saying. It's just not for me. Just the Michael Bay movie. Did you see that on Netflix? Um, it's just. It's almost like JP doesn't have a podcast. <laughs> it's just it's just preposterous. It, I'm sorry too that this is two Netflix movies in a row. Um, I don't understand this Michael Bay movie. Can I talk? And it makes me it makes me kind of feel like a bad person because I understand what you're saying. I understand what the people on the uh, the podcast that I've been listening to are saying that like it's it has some redeeming qualities. I don't see them. I don't see what those redeeming qualities are. The things that I find redeeming about it are the things that also make it horrible. Can we actually... I'm glad this is on your list. <laughs> I wanted the cruise by it. No, I'm glad this is on your list. We just talked about it. What else is there to because say? Because I, this week, watched um, For Sama, uh, the movie about... Um, is this on your list? What? For is this your number four? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. I, don't, I don't, didn't really love For Sama. Yeah. But... Um, I thought it's I thought it's a little too on the nose with the way it's was presenting. Uh-huh. Um but it made me like look into Assad. Like, you know, Bashir Assad. Um and that you know, because just like the shit they the chemical attacks and the shit they yeah, do. Yeah. It's like it led me to when Trump like talked to um the old Tomatis. To, you know, mm-hmm. defense secretary, and was like, you know, like, we should just let's fucking kill him. Let's go in. Let's kill the fucking lot of them. Like, apparently, he's just he heard something about he found out chemical attacks were a thing and went like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think I briefly mentioned this last week, but Six Underground is I'm telling you, this is really prescient kind of like weird existence of like the Trump people mindset. Like, this is like wish fulfillment. Do you think that? Six Underground is not an actual movie. It's a kind of like it was made inner office Trump-esque. human resources movie made by the White House. Yeah, like I'd buy it. Fine, okay. What's your number like, four? Like so, like no. Jim Mattis said, we can't kill Trump. We can't kill <laughs> Assad. Yeah. But you know what? We'll ask Netflix to make a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Or Ryan Reynolds. You like Ryan Reynolds? One of right, your op- One of your options. This is one of your. <laughs> this is one of the things you can do. Yeah. Here's not, you have nine options. There are nine options of ways that you can get these guys. Here's one of them. Yeah. But we'll make a movie where Ryan Reynolds kills a dictator. And you can watch that a lot. And Donald Trump probably was like, yeah. I think that movie is just made for Donald oh, Trump. Oh, a guy gets shot in the head while his penis is still in a prostitute? I know what that's about. I expect that to happen every day of my life. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll watch it. What's your number four? My number four is the first of the... <laughs> Uh, duology of 
Stephen King movies. Uh, Doctor Sleep does not make my bottom list. I thought it was perfectly fine. I assume it is not perfectly fine for you. Um, my number four, though, is Pet Cemetery. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just, just, it was just an unpleasant experience. Just a yeah. Pet Cemetery is not on my list because I just it's so bland yeah i just kind of stopped boring. caring about it like in the middle of the movie i was like this is not yeah but I'm i was watching. i was stopped caring about like 30 minutes in but then i was stuck there for another hour and a half and i resented it yeah well i i'm gonna be honest with you that's how i feel about like my bottom two did you see pet cemetery no you didn't see the new pet cemetery <laughs> no. let's do pot i think we should create a new podcast every time a pivotal film where we just talk about movies and we ask jp if we've seen that movie and we play the curb your enthusiasm goes, music behind it yeah. do, do, do. i didn't see it <laughs> but see, you have to understand how I. So, because my time is limited. Right. Yeah, yeah. I go by the initial reviews. If, so, if a Pet Cemetery remake to me sounds unnecessary and stupid, and then all the reviews confirm that. By all the reviews, <laughs> you just mean our podcast. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Then I'm like, well, then I just can't be bothered. We wish we had that liberty. I mean, we do. We so really together. do. Why do we do that? It's a great service you do. Yeah. We do often see movies Thanks, going, Jimmy. and I always justify it by I sell it for the podcast. And yeah, like, me too. That's how but, I felt like, about I, Star Is Born. I don't have to, <laughs> but we do. For those, you know what though? I, I've kind for of that guy in ten- Tennessee. We do. For the, he only wants <laughs> to know about like the movies we see after the fact. Um. He'll He's be he'll really be excited. digging down into He'll be very excited boy. about this new one. But this new Oscar nominations episode is going to be choice. A lot of good movies coming in that one. Um, but yeah, just like the decisions that it makes, it plays mostly from the original Pet Cemeteries by number. But the decisions where it wants to be divergent are bad. The the CGI is bad. John Lithgow's doing a good job in it, and it makes me sad. Like, even that part of it's bad, because it makes me sad that John Lithgow's wasting his time. That's how um, I think everyone feels when they watch Bombshell. <laughs> Once again, just like, just like, John Lithgow, wait, why are you wait, doing, doing that, John Lithgow? Um, and, you know, it kind of got me on the, the Jason Clark probably shouldn't be a thing train. No, he's out. I need you. I was, I was, I was the first you, I believe person on that found, train. Like, you're a I top built fan. the train. Yeah. I laid the track for that train. You're a founding member of that train. Do you have something terrible to say about Jason Clark, Jimmy? I'm just, who is he? What is he, a director? Or what did he, what did he do that... No, he's took, not, not going to tell you. To be honest with you, he's the thing actor. that he did was in this... He was in this terrible movie. I didn't, I've never liked him, but I started to dislike him like viscerally when he was in um, this Netflix movie, Mudbound. Was that last year, Mudbound? Yeah, or 2017. Mudbound is an awful, an awful movie. Um... Number three. What's your number three? My number three is the Netflix Jim Mickle film In the Shadow of the Moon. Um, just a whole lot of nonsense with this one. I think our rev- I think this is one of the more ones where I don't have much to add from this is what we succinctly said in our review. Uh, I think this is probably the most eviscerated we did of a film yeah. in, in terms of reviews. Um, no. Second to what is my number one, right. I would say. Um which my number one did change from okay. where you think it is. But it's just everything about it makes no logical sense. And 
that's just a dull, meandering joke of an experience. Here's the reason that's not my number three also. Because it was... Is it in, not, it's not on your list. It's right? not on my list. Because it doesn't seem like they tried to make a real movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where my number three seems like they actively tried to make an, a legitimate movie, and that is Hellboy. That is that on your list? Yeah, that's why I'm not talking. Okay, so let's skip over Hellboy. My number two, which I know is also on your list, is It 2. My number two is It 2. So, um, Perfect. You saw this movie, though, JP. <laughs> this movie is a total... You were here dis- for that review. <laughs> this movie is a total disaster. Like, on every level. Except for the a couple Bill Hader lines. This movie is a travesty. Yes, this is a meandering... Have you watched it again or, or anything? No, why no. would I Have do that to myself? Have you seen it again? No, just the one time? There's a 45-minute-long kill count on it from the Deadbeat po- like YouTube channel I like, so I'm going to watch that, and that will be the closest I ever get to rewatching it. This movie made me upset to be a Jessica Chastain fan, and if you're a friend of mine, you know I'm like an uber Jessica Chastain fan. Like, You're a big, too much of a Jessica a Chastain fan. fan. She's terrible in this. She's awful. I mean, you know what's weird about Jessica Chastain? What the hell is that line that they repeat in the end? You're a clown? Yeah. 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 You're, clown. You're, you're a clown. But when she's like looking she's at her like, watch, like, oh, oh, no, you're a clown. Well, my watch just told me to say you're a clown. Why did I agree that money? You're a clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, bad. It's, it's three hours long. Yeah. And it has an hour and 20 minutes in its middle of doing the same scene five times in a row. It's just awful. We're spending too much time on it. Whose turn is it to do number one? Uh, it's my turn to do number Let one. Let me do my number one first. Okay. Because it's obviously not on your list. My number one is Doctor Sleep. Did you see? Did you end up seeing Doctor Sleep? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I hate this movie. I think you... I'm switching over to JP because I think this movie is perfectly Okay. <laughs> But I want to hear... I've already talked about this. With, well, I've let's already hear talked JP. about it, too. Let's hear, yeah, let's hear what JP has to say. I felt the same way as Mario. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't read the source material. Yeah. I don't have the same problem you do with the... Uh, whatever. The true not. The true not, yeah. I thought the uh, actress was gr- pretty... Yeah, she was really, really good. I thought she was pretty good. Just so, and, why? and hot, but... So why so why do you hate it so much? I always try to say that I'm not gonna for historical movies or bi- biopics and books ba- or movies based on the source material. I always try to go into it saying like I can't care about the source material. This is a different animal. This is a different beast. You know what I mean? It's, it's a movie. It is not a, a book. It is not like whatever. And I really tried to do that here. I actually went into this movie with really high hopes. Like, expect, especially when I found out, like, how much shining stuff they were going to put into it. But on From a, the Kubrick. From the Kubrick game. thing. I was like, oh, that's a really... I, I, I was like, I'm okay with that. Because from a source material standpoint, they do technically go back there. You know what I mean? Just the hotel's not there. Right. But the ideas... What the hotel represents is totally there. You know what I mean? All that shit is all there. So there's a reason that they need to go, that they should go back there. Makes sense. And the fact that they're going to leave the hotel there is perfectly fine because they could do the same stuff they did outside the hotel, inside the hotel. Great. Um, The problem is that there's a half of the book sucks. And they left that half of the book in. 
and that's the stuff that makes no not only does it it's not convincing but it doesn't make any sense there's no reason for it to be there so if you don't fear or even care about the true knot then you are just spending two and a half hours just watching you and McGregor not really do a lot and then all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, I got to go kill these people in Colorado. I got to go, I got to go do that. And then one of the things I really liked about the book was that nobody dies. Like, no good characters die. Everybody lives and because they don't need to kill them because they have, they have all this extra stuff because the thing that's the different about the true not than um, Danny and... What's her name? The girl's name? Oh, God. I can't remember off the top of my head. I forget. Abra. Danny and Abra. Is that Danny and Abra are connected where the true not is not connected. They think they're connected because they drink, you know, the the steam of of the person. But they're not connected. Um, And then they just pointlessly, just to ratchet up the drama of the movie, just have people die. And there are people... They well, just, like, Billy Freeman doesn't die in the book, right? No, nobody died. The dad doesn't die. Billy Freeman doesn't die. Nobody dies. Um, I just found it... It's hard to describe. When I said I found... I found it too objectionable because it was just like a terrible, terrible movie. I found Dr. Sleep objectionable because I feel like they tried to have their cake and then they tried to save their cake forever so they could maybe eat it like a hundred years from now or something. You know what I mean? If you get my metaphor, like they just, I, I, I don't, I know <laughs> they just, they seem like they didn't want to commit to anything. So they just did all the things. And as a piece of film art, I found that way more objectionable than anything that happened in it too. Cause it too was just stupid and it too made like the same bad choices but they changed a lot of things up. You know what I mean? They they made a bunch of real choices. This movie didn't seem like they made any choices except to put in, like, the Shining stuff. And then you have Henry Thomas, whatever, playing Jack Nicholson, doling out alcohol, like, in on the Shining set. But I'm pretty sure a lot of that stuff was CGI. Because the, I know the whole hotel was CGI. And so, like, I'm watching this movie, and this is one of the things where, like, film history kind of gets in my way, where, like, Stanley Kubrick built that thing. Like, he didn't build a whole hotel, but he built a, the... He constructed the model that looked like the hotel, and everything seemed real, and everything worked on a level. They just drew it with computers. And then, so, when Ewan McGregor was walking into it, it looked a lot like when I as Link just walked into the ice cavern before I did the water temple in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. <laughs> Where, like... The, just as muddy and polygonal. Yeah, the aspect ratio was all <laughs> weird and, like, oh, yeah, there's two headlights on, but all of a sudden, like, half the hotel is illuminated and it's all fuzzy and blurry and shit like that. It just sucks. It was just a bum... You know why? You know why it's on my bottom... on My number one worst movie list? Because it was a fucking bummer. Because they had all this good shit to work with, and they just worked with the bad stuff. And then the stuff that they added sucked, too. It sucked. It felt like shit. And, and, the Jacob Tremblay death scene was upsetting. And, like, you don't, like, 
I know, supposed to be upsetting. But I know Mike Flanagan's a horror director, but you don't have to make a horror movie. If you're trying to make a movie that's going to make $100 million, it might be good not to really, like, destroy a child in that movie. You know what I mean? And especially a child who is a actual actor. And <laughs> who got destroyed. Who's in, in real the, things. Who got destroyed in room already. Yeah, why are we emotionally and now physically destroying this kid? It was just, it just, it felt shitty. And it felt shitty in a different way than watching It 2 or Your Number 1 felt shitty. I just felt like in those movies, like someone didn't know what they were doing. Are you saying that watching Doctor Strange for you Doctor was, Sleep. Doctor Sleep, <clears throat> sorry, Doctor Sleep for you was like the Dark Ages and for fucking good reason? Yeah, I do. Because my number one is Hellboy, which... One of the bits of opening narration was, you know, Ian McShane saying, it was the Dark Ages, and for fucking good reason. <laughs> um, this is, what is there to say? I went into this, and when that actually line happened in that first, like, 15 minutes, I kind of got excited. Like, even during the entire, um, like, wrestling, Lucha Libre wrestling match she has with a vampire bat. Yeah, I was excited because I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad, but really fun bad. And then it just became mean. And it's just a mean, spirited, gross movie. Yeah, which is also bad. Yeah, which is also just a bad movie. But it feels as though a 15-year-old boy who is really mad... That he hasn't been laid yet. And Hellboy is his outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Wrote this. Yeah. And it's his outlet. That's awesome. That's Um, way better than my cake analogy. (laughs) You know, you I when I gave up on this movie was during the entire troll scene, like in the build up to the troll scene where they're stabbing Hellboy, but you see like these innocent villagers dead and like half eaten, but like they're just sprawled around in bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And the trolls, you know are just devastating. These guys who are trying to kill Hellboy, so obviously they're villains. But then he, like, fights them while Psycho by Muse is playing. And he's making jokes about, like, oh, what'd you eat? And it's like, oh, you know, like, I forgot. And, like, just talking about innocent people. And that leads right into, like, all those people that back at that building being, like, massacred and just heads everywhere. And it just keeps ramping up with just this extreme, insane, mean gore. And, like... You guys know this podcast. Mario I likes love it. gore. He likes it. He likes but some like, gore. It's, it has no reason to be there. And it's just always mean. Just aggressively mean. And eventually, like, when the hell creatures rise up, after Hellboy kind of, like, you know, takes on the throne of being truly Hellboy, and, like, you get those sequences of people in London being torn in half or having their face ripped off and whatnot. And you're just like, I don't... You feel dirty watching it. It's a dirty experience. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's my number three because, like, I just gave up on it. And so the thing that made you kind of be like, okay, I was like, well, there's no way this is a good movie. And I'm not one of those people that tends to think that, like, bad movies are fun because I would rather just be doing anything else than sitting through, like, a bad – like, I mean, I texted you during Doctor Sleep, like – I would walk out if I didn't want to see what happened with, like, the Shining stuff here. But, like, and then when the incorporeal snake head spirits 
start coming oh, out of right, people. Then right, right, right. then that's when I was just kind of like, oh, clearly nobody cares. Clearly, whoever is making this doesn't give a shit about anything. Because <laughs> this movie looks like crap. And it's a bummer. And I think the thing that's a bum, like a real bummer for me is like, I fucking dig Neil Marshall as a director. Like, I hate Doomsday. But like, Dog Soldiers and especially The Descent are two really awesome horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought JP agreed. Yes. Um, he just said yes, if you can hear <laughs> But like, this, and like, the deaths in those movies, like, he created characters that you fucking felt bad about when they died. And, like, those are super gory movies themselves. Dog Soldier's not as much, but, like, Descent's really gory. Like, a woman gets reborn out of, like, a puddle of blood. Yeah, you know, it's good stuff. A puddle of blood. But, like, when everyone dies in that movie, you fucking feel, like, it feels bad in the sense of, like, he's developed characters with a bit of nuance. And, you know, you, you don't like seeing these characters die, uh-huh. but it adds to the horror. And then this is just, like, he was, like... Well, I guess they're paying me a decent amount of money to make this movie. And so I'm just going to like be mean and kill people off in like mean, awful ways. Well, I think he misunderstood, and which is weird because I feel like I read somewhere that he was a big Hellboy fan. I feel like he just misunderstood Hellboy. A Bill Cowboy? No, a big Hellboy fan. Oh. <laughs> Maybe he's a Bill, Ho- Bill Cowboy fan. <laughs> like Bill Cowboy is a big, big deal for me. Um. No, I feel like I want to write a story with a character named Bill Cowboy. <laughs> um, I feel like I read somewhere that he's a big Hellboy fan, and it seems like he just kind of misunderstood what the comic is about, which aligns to your analogy of like the fifteen-year-old who's just mad at the world. Well, I mean, and he's just kind of using Hellboy as his, you know, his outlet for how he feels about everything. Um, yeah, I, I mean, don't... this is this is we we argued. I mean, I, I said this famously. I think it's one of my famous lines. Of yeah, like, I think so. Fucking Andrew Cosby, get out of film. Never make anything again. The writer of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is, bar none, if I was teaching a film class, this would be the screenplay I would present to all my students and be like, if you write this, I will fucking murder you. <laughs> when and I, I don't mean, like, allegorically. I, I mean, will, I will find you and drain you of every... I will force... Bond your soul away from you. I wondered when I was watching The Rise of Skywalker and the Black Widow trailer came on. I was like, oh, I wonder when David Harbour signed that contract. Because I bet if he didn't, he wouldn't have gotten this job if he didn't sign it before Hellboy came Which is out. a bummer, because he's like trying in Hellboy. Like, he's yeah. actually trying to be charismatic. He's unfortunately trying to be Ron Perlman. So yeah. you just watch this going like, oh, man. Do you remember when Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman and David Hyde Pierce and... Um, Selma, not Selma, Selma Sel Blair. Blair. I said Selma Hayek. Uh, Selma Blair were in this, and these those movies were actually kind of awesome. Well, it's like, do you remember when Hellboy 2 came out? And it was after Pan's Labyrinth, and everything, he just did a bunch of awesome shit that yeah. would have worked perfectly in Pan's Labyrinth, and just, but was in a Hellboy movie instead? Remember when he gave like, you nightmares? I'm sorry. Like, they like refused to give him the $100 million. If fucking Guillermo del Toro made his $100 million Hellboy 3 movie, that movie would make over $100 million domestically. The Shape of Water made fucking, $100 million, didn't it? it? I don't think it made it domestically. It might have made it like... Somewhere. That movie's terrible. But, but people know Guillermo del Toro. They fucking love comic books. And Ron Perlman's now like... Especially like the younger generation loves Ron Perlman because like Fallout stuff and whatnot. And just like Ron Perlman being Ron Perlman. 
Like, that movie would make the money. Just, like, fucking give Guillermo del Toro the money. And if you're not going to give him the money, like, just let the Hellboy comics go back to, like, did they make this movie because they're, is it a Marvel thing? Were they going to lose the rights or something? I don't know. Just, like, don't fucking make no, Hellboy. I, th- I think they thought they could, I think someone had an idea that, like, oh, let's cast David Harbour as Hellboy because Stranger Things is big and people like comic books now. So we'll make a new Hellboy movie. We'll, re- we'll relaunch Hellboy. And they just did a bad job. Well, the best thing is that they're not going to make Hellboy again. Like, Good. Like, there will not be a Hellboy 2 with David Harbour. Good. Which, no offense to David Harbour. I just, every, this movie should be burned from existence. Imagine, though, if they said, Guillermo del Toro, you can make Hellboy 2 with David Harbour. Here's $100 million. And he just CGI David Harbour as Hellboy into actual Hellboy 2. <laughs> and just kept $100 million. And then people were just like, whoa, this is an amazing movie. And they just didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. He just, yeah, just put it in his pocket. And by CGI, it's like actually still had Ron Perlman in it, but CGI'd like David Harbour in a corner. That's just another Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hello, guys. Um, but yeah, that was, that's, that's the bottom, that's the bottom five. You don't see any of those movies. Well, Doctor, I'd argue Doctor Sleep. If, if you've never read the books, the book, I don't, then maybe. I'm going to be very honest with you, both of you guys. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Maybe it's because I'm not a horror guy. But like I don't see anything that Mike Flanagan did there that made me say like, yeah, this is worth seeing just if you like Mike Flanagan movies. That's his least good. I just think it stinks. And you again, we're gonna have to have a conversation about this. When this Birds of Prey movie comes out, if you and McGregor also stinks in it, we may have to have a real the culture may have to have a real conversation about you and McGregor. People and love you and McGregor. I don't think they do. What is he doing in that? He's Birds of Prey? He's, yeah. he's Black Mask. Yeah. And he looks like he's having a good time, but I, I, also, I mean, I also think he stinks in a lot of stuff. Did you watch American Pastoral? No. But I, did, I liked him in Fargo, season three. Yeah. You know. He cheated on his wife, unfortunately, with We've that. decided he's a movie star, though. I don't think he, I'm not sure he deserves to be a movie star. I think he could just be one of those guys. Was Train Spotting 2 any good? I didn't see it. T2, you mean? Because I was grossed out by that someone decided to make a Trainspotting 2. <laughs> Danny Boyle. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's, you know, we can't count on him for anything. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I am hopeful that Birds of Prey is fine. I'm not expecting anything else besides fine. Well, I think they all, my favorite, my new favorite thing is that because Black Panther came out in February... Now these companies think like, hey, we can release big movies in February. Guess what? Most movies that come out in February fucking stink. So I don't have a lot of high hopes for this movie. The Grey came out in February. I did. That was a good movie. Let's. I was keeping it on the David Ayer train. Yeah. Because David Ayer made The Grey, but he also made Suicide Squad, which is Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Suicide That's a good way to wrap it up. Suicide Squad is a bad movie too, though. Yeah. Apparently, Suicide Squad two script is supposed to be good. People are hopeful for that. Apparently, it's ruining Pete Davidson's life. So, is he in it? Yeah. How's it ruining his life? Because he's going back into rehab or something. Yeah, I heard about that, but like that, that script is. I thought it was just like people being a shit. Because no, because he wasn't. He wasn't on SNL for a while because he was filming Suicide Squad two, and. Then he came back for like a week, and now he's just like, yeah, I'm all done. 
I thought it was just because people are being a shit to him because of all the people he's dating. And like, they're like, why is Pete Davidson dating these people? It's like, I had to get to a guy. Pete Davidson is cool. He can tell you whoever he wants. And something's wrong with Kate Beckinsale. So we don't, (laughs) I don't know what her problem is all of a sudden. But, well, recently, I don't know what happened to her. No, I don't think anything happened to her. She just posts a lot of pictures of herself wearing, like, not a lot on Instagram. Oh. Because he's dating, like, Cindy Crawford's daughter now or something. Good. Well, who's she? Who's she married to? Wasn't she married? Who was married to Wayne Gretzky? Like not Cindy Crawford. Janet something. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All right, Rats, Janet Triplehorn. Let's Janine Triplehorn. Janine Triplehorn? <laughs> I hope so. I like Janine Triplehorn. She needs to come back. I like Janine Waterworld Triplehorn. is a good movie. Waterworld, not a bad movie. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Take that, the nineties. Yeah. All right. Take that, the nineties. Let's finish this episode. Let's speak about the nineties. Next week we will be talking. Next two weeks we're going to be talking about our um top twenty. We're going to be pretending the nineties never existed. Yeah. Which I kind of wish they. I know the nineties were okay. Oh yeah, cool. Good for you, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> um, but if you want to, if you're Wayne Gretzky and want to talk about how good you are, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal, or you can send an email if you're more familiar with that Wayne Gretzky um, at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail dot com, or you can go to pivotalfilm dot com Wayne Gretzky and you can see a list of the movies we talked about or the beers we drank. Is he from Tennessee? No, Wayne I think he's live from in Tennessee now. Canada. But he might live in Tennessee now. Maybe he's the one that keeps listening to Beautiful Boy. Now, now, our, now our Beautiful Boy totals are not going to go up anymore. <laughs> now it's not going to be in the almost 500 listens. <laughs> um, or you can listen to that episode, that the Oscar nominations 2019 or The Beautiful Boy. Um, are the other two movies refute that? Uh, well, Leave No Leave Trace and The Sisters Brothers, which is, a great, which is a great movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but until uh, we talk to you again in January, go see a lot of movies, drink a, uh, a, a respectable, moderate amount of beer. Not stouts anymore. Not stouts, drink something else, and we will talk to you in January sometime. <laughs>